Bible? Who's got a Bible? Give a cheer for the people that brought a Bible. Good job. That's what we do at One Youth. We bring Bibles. Let's bring a cheer for those that brought a Bible. Woo, there we go. I thought the microphone was off for a second. because So good job for bringing your Bible. But if you've got a Bible, go to the book of Luke, chapter 12. What's a dozen? 12. The, Luke, the dozen in Luke, Luke 12. Does that make sense? Dozen 12. There you go. You learned something new if you didn't realize. A dozen is 12. We want to go to the book of Luke, chapter dozen. Luke, chapter 12. All right. So the year was 2020. And Rona had yet shut down Australia. Rona was yet to shut down Australia, right? I'm telling a story. Yeah. Yeah. So the year was 2020 and Rona had yet to shut down in Australia. So I was Rona, like Corona. That's like Aussies. Like, you know how we make it. It's like, it's coronavirus. But we're like, Rona, mate. Yeah. The year was 2020 and Rona was yet to shut down Australia. So who knows? I've spoken about this before. I've got cousins everywhere, man. Western Australia, Victoria, Perth. Uh, well, that's West Australia. Um, Queensland, I've got South Australia, Adelaide, Melbourne, not Tasmania yet. But I've got cousins everywhere, man. I'm, I'm confident you could almost name a place and I could probably say yes. Moana, I've got a cousins in Moana. I've got cousins everywhere. There is a place in South Australia called Moana and I've got cousins that live there. That's how I know because I'm like, what's your address? And they're like, Moana. And I'm like, that was a movie I just watched on Disney. But this place existed before the movie. I've got cousins everywhere, right? So I got a cousin called Gemma in Perth, Western Australia, right? And so at the start of the year, as Sean alluded to, before Rona hit January, for, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty confident, Leanna, Sean, you can testify, it was the first Saturday of the year. We had a wedding in Perth. Yes. I think so. I think, I'm pretty sure the first Saturday of 2020, before Rona shut us down, we were, and we were allowed to travel between states, I had a wedding in Perth for my cousin Gemma. Ooh, all right, wedding. So, mate, yep, okay. So I'm in Perth, and so rather than just sitting in the hotel all day, every day, apart from the wedding, we thought, let's do some sightseeing, hey? That's what, who doesn't want to go on a holiday? You don't just stay in the hotel, you go, let's see what Perth has to offer. So Perth has a prison, right? But the, and well, Perth, it's technically not Perth, it was Fremantle, right? So Fremantle, who knows the Fremantle Dockers? They come from Fremantle. So, yeah, they did, they did, they did. So Frio had a prison that got shut down right? So he just got too old and tacky and they thought, let's shut this down. So now it's like a museum where you can go and do, you can pay some money. It's like look, going at the, the zoo, but with no animals. It's like, look at this empty enclosure where a human used to live, right? It's, so you go into this Fremantle prison. I've got some pictures up on the screen. Here's a Fremantle prison. There you go. So that's the main entrance in through there. The back there, that's all prison cells. Can we go to another picture, please? Nope. So that is a cell. So someone has a little hammock and a little table. That's your cell. So that's what people used to live in before. It got shut down because it was unhumane. We got another picture? Oh, and so that's under the prison. There's tunnels under the prison. And so you could do this thing, what they called a tunnel tour. And I'm like, my mind starts ticking over. That is awesome. Australia had prisons that escaped a prison. And I'm thinking, why hasn't anyone made a movie about this? Why isn't there a TV show spin-off or something? Australia's, how, how come I've done history so many years at school and they never told me about the prisoners that escaped the prison in Perth, right? That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, and so I'm thinking, I can't wait for this tour. This is going to be legit. Like, we're going to hear the stories of how these prisoners were digging holes and, and then made rafts and skedaddled out of the prison, right? That's what I'm thinking. 
But actually, it turns out, these tunnels, to my shock and to my disheartenment, they were about water supply. So they, they built these tunnels to, collect, to get the water from the ground to supply the, the prison and the greater area. So that's interesting. So the prison was kind of made so they got free workers to create water supply for the people living in Western Australia. So we go to this prison, right? And so the, it was a 65 to do the entry might have been like $20, but then to do the tour, it cost $65. Now that's not, now that's not like a lot of money, but it's not $2 either. So like if I drop $2 and it spilt somewhere, you'd be like, oh, it's $2, but it's not really worth it. If you just chucked $65 on the ground, you'd be, you'd be like, yep, yeah, I'm going to go turn around and definitely pick that back up again. Who knows what I'm talking about? It's not, it's not the most amount of money, but it's still not nothing. And so, so we, we, we're, we're doing another tour of just a prison there saying such and such lived in that cell and they did these crimes and then such and such lived here. That net there so people can't jump down. Um, the net was good because it stopped buckets from hitting you but if they chucked their toilet bucket down, the contents in the bucket would still hit you. They're telling us all the story of what happened yet, yeah, Leon and And then, then the tour guide says, hey, hey, um, for those that are doing the tunnel tours, come with me. So we, we start following the dude to do the tunnel tour. And he takes us to this hatch. Um, this hatch thing, and it's got like this sort of safety rail around it, kind of like the seatbelt thing behind us there. And he, he takes his hatch and he lifts it up. Right, the hatch is there, and then he goes, Have a look down there. And it's like, Hello, low, 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 low. Right, and, you, and it's 20 meters deep. And so we, we can say 20 meters deep, but it doesn't sound that big, does it? But you've got to understand from the ceiling to there, that's only about three meters. So then what's that? Times that by quite a few more times is. I don't know the math. Do it on your phone. 20 divided by 3, whatever that is. And that's how deep it was. So when you think about it like that, if I fell from there, no thank you. But then you're looking down that 20 metres, you're like, low, 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 low. And you're like, the, the knees are starting to go. And then there's this ladder, right? You can see this ladder. Now, normally ladders have a pole, a pole, and then pole, 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 right? Two verticals and then all the horizontal ones. This ladder was different. It had one horizontal and the rest were vertical. And so it looked sturdy, but it looked dodgy. So it wasn't like rusty metal. It was like brand new metal, but it just looked like... And then, so then I'm looking at this tunnel and I'm like, if that's the way down, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. If that's my only way down, I'm starting to think, I'm starting to judge this $65. I'm like, I've just spent $65 for this, but is it... Is the sixty-five dollars worth climbing down that ladder, or or do I just say, "Yep, par by sixty-five dollars," and I'm not doing this tour? That's where I'm at. Why? Because I'm scared of heights, right? I have a phobia of heights. Does anyone else here have phobia of something? Scared of something? Now here's the thing: being scared of heights or having a phobia of heights, it's not actually the heights that's scary. It's the ah! It's the, exactly. It's a falling. Yeah, I, I I'm happy in a plane. I just don't like the idea of falling out the plane, right? Does anybody have, it's like whatever phobia you have, you're not actually necessarily scared of it. You're scared of what it does to us. And so uh, being scared of heights, a phobia of heights, we're not actually scared of the height. We're scared of falling. And we're not actually scared of falling. We're scared of what happens after the fall. Death, right? That's what we're ultimately scared about. We're ultimately scared of death. We're, we're instinctively scared to die, and so we want to look at this a little bit more. And so, who here, like, we don't want no one else to die. Like, we don't, we don't think a life gone, 
How awesome it would be to die? No. We, I don't like horror movies. I don't know about you. I don't, I don't like jump scares. Why? Because it scares you. It's like, Boo! It's like it, it frightens you. Unless you've got hiccups, no one wants to be scared. Unless you've got hiccups, no one wants to be frightened. And so the, why? Because our natural instinct is self-preservation. Our natural instinct is how do I survive? That's why we don't like heights. And we have phobias because our natural instinct is how do I survive and how do I keep my... It's just a part of our natural makeup. Do I have an agreement in this place? We want to survive. And so, but the issue with self-preservation is it leads to selfishness. Self-preservation leads to selfishness. And so, um, in our will to live, we will do some dodgy stuff. And I'll give you an example. So, um, no one wants a fat kid to die, right? No one here has that, like, what's his name? Um, what's, Dive Wimpy Kid, what's his name? Rally. No one wants Rally to die. No one wants Rally to die. Do I have a witness in this place? Rally's a nice kid. No one wants the fat kid to die. But if we're walking, if all of us, we just get transported to Africa right now, and we're walking along some bush plane safari, right? And we're just, we're just strutting, right? And then you hear the, the lions, or you see the lions. Now, if Rowley's with me, I don't care. Because I could run faster than Rowley. Do I have a witness in this place? Hey, if I'm walking with Rowley, catch her. I'm out of here. Because now, really, now, do I want Rowley to die? No. Do I want the fat kid to die? No. But if it comes between me and Rowley, I'd rather him die than me, yeah? Because our self-preservation leads to selfishness. Do I have a witness in this place? Let's go to Port Lincoln. We're swimming down. We're, we're swimming without surfboards, right? Now, who wants a kid that can't swim to die? Normally, none of us want the kid that can't swim to die. But if we're swimming with sharks, hey, if I, I can swim and you can't swim, catch it. That shark, you're the shark bait, and I'm um, hoo-ha-ha. <laughs> oh, sorry, I don't know, I'm thinking Nemo. But you know what I mean? So when, when our, our natural will to live, our self-preservation leads to selfishness, and so normally the fat kid or the kid that can't swim, we don't want them to die, but when it comes to our life, Oh, well, a sacrifice has to be made, I guess. But who knows what I'm talking about? So self, our self-preservation leads to selfishness. And so Jesus addresses the subject of self-preservation and the human need to live, right? In the, and as I said in Luke chapter 12. So if you've opened that up, we're going to read that. So verse 1 says this. Meanwhile, the crowds grew until thousands. So that's a lot of people, thousands. And they were milling around. And so does anyone know what milling means? It means this, moving around in a confused mass. So picture like, like Trinorama, there's thousands of people, right, all, all in together. And, and then it says, um, and they were stepping, so those thousands of people were milling about and stepping on each other. So think of like, picture Trinorama, hundreds of people, thousands of people all together, going crazy, stepping all over each other. Some translations say they were trampling each other. So there's just a mass of people going frenzy. Who's seen World War Z? And then all the zombies do like that ant pile and they climb up each other. It's kind of like that to a degree, but they're not zombies. They're just people going crazy going, ah, not really, but they're trampling each other, stepping on each other, going crazy. And then Jesus goes, you know what? I'm going to preach right now. And he decides to preach. And so this is what it says. I'm going to go jump down to verse four. Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that. Can everybody say after that? After that, we've got to understand once you die, there's an after that. Death isn't the end. There's more to your life than death. There is an after that. So 
Uh, there's no more they can do to you after that. But I tell, but I will tell you, uh, tell you whom to fear. I'll tell you, sorry, whom to fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill you, then throw you into hell. Yes, He is the one to fear. What is the price of um, five sparrows? Two copper coins. Yet God does not forget a single one of them. So every sparrow that dies, God remembers. Every little animal that dies, God remembers them. And then every hair, verse 7, and every hair on your head are all numbered. None of us here are going bald, so it's harder to count, but God can count our hairs. Um, So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Verse 8, I tell you the truth. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man, Jesus, will also acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. But anyone who denies me here on earth will be denied before God's angels. Let's pray right now. God, we pray that you speak to us. May this be of clarity. May it mature us into mature believers. And ultimately, God, we just believe that your hand can do something powerful in our lives. May we understand what it truly means to live. May we understand what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus. And ultimately, God, we, I just pray that there'll be a revelation in our hearts and in our souls on the after that, what comes after this life, because there's more to life than what we're living in. And we had agreement. Yes, everybody agreed. Cool. So then if we continue reading in that, in that passage of Bible, we've got to, it says the parable of the rich fool. The parable of the rich fool. First, rich fool. Verse 13. So as we said, there's the zombies, people stepping on each other, trampling each other, going like, arr, arr. and then Jesus starts preaching. And then he, he just talked about what he talked about. He says, there's more to life than, than people killing you. What happens next is more important. Fear God who, who decides what happens after death, not the person that kills you, right? That's what Jesus says. Then he, then someone calls out, someone calls out from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Life is not measured by how much you own. And so if you want a title, it is the measure of life. Or we could say it the other way, the life measure. So life is not measured by greed, which leads to the question, how do we measure life? What is the measure of life? We're going to find out as we continue. Verse 16, then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm and produced fine crops. Can somebody say, mmm, mmm, fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have enough room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns, build bigger ones, then I'll have uh, room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night, then who will get everything you worked for? 21, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So this person asked Jesus a question. Tell my brother to share their state, my inheritance with me. But Jesus is saying, mate, you've got the wrong question. You're not asking the right 
question here. Life isn't about getting the best and having money. So we, we, we think life might be about, if I can get a bigger house, if I can get a better job, if I can have a hotter girlfriend, if I can have a, a boyfriend with bigger biceps. That's what so many people think life is all about. That's how they measure their life. Well, my, my friend has this, my friend has that, and we live in compare and comparison. But God, like Jesus is saying, life isn't about the comparing and comparison. Life is about, do you know Jesus? We measure our life by, did we meet God or not? Did we have a rich relationship with Jesus? That's what matters. Thank you, Amy. Having, and so having, a, and then another thing, having a successful business is not wrong. It is not evil. If your business is going good, that's actually a blessing, right? There's, and so then, um, and having wealth is not a sin. Some people read that and think, oh, well, God's been blessing my life. Oh, that's evil. No, 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 no. What he's saying is when you live for that, that's what's evil. It's evil to be consumed by greed. And so wealth is meaningless. We could have it all. You could be a rock star. You could be in all the movies, having all the singles being released. Everyone's playing you on Spotify. But unless you met Jesus, that means nothing, right? It means absolutely nothing. And so life is about meeting Jesus. Life is measured by our relationship we have with God. And that's how you measure life. And so that's the point. That's the aim of this message. If you want to know what is the point of life, did you meet Jesus? We can ask, we might ask, well, if I die today, what, what will they say at my funeral? You know what we want them to say? They knew Jesus. It might be, you might have fed poor people, awesome, not bad. You might have um, uh, played at the youth band, great, not bad. But what counts is, did you meet Jesus? You might have got A pluses at school, fantastic. But that doesn't matter once you die. We want to have the confession from people that said they knew Jesus. They had a rich relationship with God. And so people often talk about if God was so loving, surely there's a second chance. Like if God was so loving for people, why would he send anyone to hell? Surely after death there's something else. But that's that like, and because we can hear things like reincarnation, I'm a human today, I'll die and then I'll be a butterfly. Then I'll die, then I'll be an elephant. Then I'll die, then I'll be a human again, whatever. Whatever the reincarnation thinks, it is not true. As Christians from the Bible, we believe there's life, then there's death. There's no reincarnation, there's no things. Life is the second chance. Life is the only chance. And so we've got to understand that once we die, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's in 20 years, 30 years, whatever the time frame is, after death, this was our chance and it's measured by whether or not we knew God. That's how serious this is. If you want to go, the difference between heaven and hell is whether you met Jesus, not your house, not how you patted a cat. It's did you know Jesus? And so life is our chance. And so that's why it says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6. So thank you, music team, if you want to join me. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Right? I'm going to read that again. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. And you know what? Our life is the time to find God. God is near now. So we, it's not about going, well, once I die, then I'll worry about God. Once I die, then I'll meet Jesus. This is our lifetime and this is the time to find God. That's why at church, at youth, we talk about evangelism. What's evangelism? Telling people about Jesus because once this life is done, that's it. It's too late. Now is the time to meet Jesus. Why? How do we measure our life? By meeting Jesus. And so 
our life now is about connecting to God. So when we die, we're not going, we missed our chance. When our friend dies, we missed their chance. That's how important evangelism is because we want to be in a place where we're seeing our friends meet Jesus and we ultimately know Jesus because now is the time. And so my last Bible verse is in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, and it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so it's as simple as that. If you want to go, well, how do I have a relationship with God? How do I have this rich relationship? It starts by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus.